up everybody i'm your host chris hampton and this is nate drolet and we are here to talk about what when and how to train for the red river gorge this is going to be a new series that we're starting um largely because every area that we climb in um, that you climb in does require while you can, you know, reach goals by training pretty generally, each area does require some specific things um, of you to climb really well in. And I think those things are worth talking about. It's one of the things that makes this sport so fucking cool is that the terrain is constantly changing and it's going to mm-hmm. be different area to area. And the things, the qualities you need, the skills you need to level up are going to be a little bit different in every zone. Yeah. You know, it, I was actually just having a conversation the other day with uh, Colette just about mm. different types of limestone. I was in Vegas and she was just like, you know, this is kind of the style I learned. And I was like, man, what's it been like? Because she's traveled extensively. I was like, what's it been like going to different places and learning those different styles for so like spending so much time. And she kind of equated them to almost like different languages. Like Mm. once you, especially with some languages, once you start learning more, it's easier, but also everything's just a little bit different. And you know, there's even dialects among languages. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also, you know, and I think this works well with the language thing is that, which is a great, metaphor um is that learning another language can also help you understand your language a little bit better absolutely and i think learning different climbing styles in different areas works exactly the same way yeah yeah no i think that so yeah I'm, i'm excited about this because i love digging into those little tiny things, you know, that you might need to think about. And I think the Red River Gorge is a really obvious place for us to start. You know, it's yeah. where we met. Um, it's, we've both spent a lot of time there. You know, the, the place has my heart really. I, mm-hmm. you know, I love the climbing there. Um, I've done it extensively and I'm not like jonesing to get back, but a lot of my formative climbing years were spent there. So same. Yeah, I mean, a lot of my climbing style has been shaped from climbing there and even getting ready for this, like looking through uh, lists of routes I've done out there. You know, I was Mm -hmm. just like trying to find some good ones to mention. I was like, oh, there are so many good routes and even the, you know, air quote bad routes. I was like, man, I've had some just great memories and like, or they're just good challenges. Um, So, yeah, it, it holds a special place in my heart, too. Yeah, totally. All right. Let's talk about what to train. If you've got a trip coming for the Red River Gorge, or if you're a local who hasn't really put a lot of time into specific Red River preparation, what are the big things we need to think about just on a general level? 
Um, number one, you know, when we were first starting to talk about this, this idea, this what, when, how to train idea, you mentioned the phrase, the biggest jugs you'll ever fall off of. Yeah. And, and I think that's so appropriate for the red because there are a fuck ton of huge holds, but you're going to get pumped. And I think that that's the number one thing we need to think about when training for the red is really learn how to manage that pump on big holds, spend a long time on the wall. You know, that that's what happens at the red. You could be on route for 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And having that, being able to handle that pump and having the endurance goes such a long way for, there are boulder problems that you'll encounter. And a lot of people get a little salty over this because they're like, oh, the boulder's not even hard. But the problem is, you know, the 60 feet of intro climbing uh, just yeah, wears yeah. them down. And so, yeah, it's like, you know, you may boulder V8 and this is only V4, but, you know, you don't boulder V4 after 60 feet, apparently. Yeah, I, you know, I have this really distinct memory of my friend Tom on his first trip to the red going up convicted, which is classic 13A at the mother load on the undertow wall. And he lowered down and was like, oh, there's, there's no hard moves on this route, you know, nothing harder than like V3 or V4. Yep. And I was like, oh, well, you know, you about to send next go. And he's like, hell no, I can't link all that together. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I was like, wow, it's cool that you recognize that. A lot of people yeah. don't. No. Yeah, that that's really cool. And it, it, you know, that's one of the tough things being at the red is like, there's such a gap between bolt to bolting up a route and even just one hanging a route. Like there are a lot of places you want to hang around and you're like, oh, I'm in it. Like, you know, we're getting close and one hanging around in a red. Sometimes that's your second go of 40. Like, yeah. And one hanging in the red is a different game than a lot of places. You know, it really depends on where you're one hanging in the red. Yes. If you're, if you're one hanging in the middle, that doesn't mean you're close because it could be the exact same difficulty every move from there to the chains. Yeah. You know, uh, one of my favorite examples is, uh, what is it? Uh, spank at drive by mm -hmm. classic 13, a that everyone at some point, every budding 513, a climber, um, thinks they're really close on the first time yeah. they go up. They're like, man, you know, I onsided it up to the second to last bolt fell, mm -hmm. uh, took me a few tries to do the boulder problem, but I did it and, uh, it doesn't feel bad. I think I'm just going to send this thing. Yep cut to three seasons later and uh, <laughs> they have not sent this thing. Yeah. I've, I've used the term for years uh, geographically close. Yes. Because I hear people all the time say, Oh, you know, I, I'm really close. I, I got to this point on my onsite and I'm like, well, you're geographically close. That's yes. a different thing. You know, yeah. you, you still might be a lot of goes away from actually sending. Yes. Yeah, that is, I, I like that term and I think it's incredibly applicable in the red. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the main thing you need to think about, especially if this is your first trip to the red is really spend a lot of time on jugs, learn how to manage pump, learn how to rest. You know, I can't tell you how many times that I've trained someone for a trip to the red and one of my first questions is 
do you think you know how to rest en route? Everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know how to rest. But you don't. It's, <laughs> it's a whole different game at the red. There's a lot of resting. You really have to be in tune with how much you're getting back and how much you can get back. So learning that stuff, pump management, how to rest on the wall, how to hang off of your skin instead of gripping like crazy. Mm -hmm. Learning those things is imperative to success there. Yes. Yeah. That, that place more than anywhere else that I've been like requires knowing how to shake out on your hands, like on your arms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And we'll also, let's dig into when you're going to train for the red at this. I see a lot of people make a big mistake here. Um, it used to be when I first started climbing in the red, October was like the season. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, I can't, it'd be fun to go back and look at like temperature charts because I'm not sure if it just became, I got better at recognizing what good conditions were or, if global warming actually did fuck everything up, <laughs> you know, I'm not positive, but October used to be a nice season. It seemed like now I've been there in October and it's been a hundred degrees. Yeah. So you can very easily start training way too early. I get people in like early June saying, I want to start training for the red. It's not time yet. Unless, mm -hmm. unless you're doing a general prep phase or something in early June, uh, it, it might not even be time until the beginning of August or end of July. You want to be 12 to 14 weeks out or so um, if you're doing a full training cycle. And that will take you into November, which is when the best temps happen now. Totally. The last few years. Yeah. You know, and if you're doing it right, if you have, if you live close enough to the red or honestly just outside climbing to where, let's say if you're like, okay, I'm going to go to the red in November, then you can even have those last, you know, few weeks of, let's say October. If you're mm -hmm. like, if you're a weekend warrior in the red, you can use that time to kind of do the final bit of your training in the sense yep. that you know, let's say I'm going to go try and climb my first 13 B this season, October, I'm going to try and pick off a bunch of 12 C's, 12 D's, maybe a few new 13 A's on the weekend yeah. that way. And I'm going to get real pumped on those, like most likely because mm -hmm. it's the red, you get pumped on everything. Oh, you're on a warm up. You're going to get pumped. Like this is just, um, like that's just how it is. So you're going to yeah. doing these quick ascents. Like if I, you know, if I was projecting, trying to project 13 B, then if I'm trying to second go at 12D, I'm still going to get wildly pumped because I'm not going to have it perfectly dialed, all these things. So it's still going to be a good form of training in the sense that I'm going to get used to getting really pumped. And so then once it's good in November, I'm there. Like I'm yeah. back to being comfortable on rock. I've been pumped. Let's go. Yeah, totally. Getting Being able to get your route legs under you in the fall season is huge. Um, you know, you've got the end of October to, to really learn how to climb outside again. You know, if, if you're climbing outside in the summer in the red, you're a masochist or 
you're just starting to build your pyramid, get, get experience outside. And, and you should be doing that. Yeah. You know, if you don't have a ton of experience, go out there in the summer and get that experience. It's going to be ridiculously sweaty, but so what you're getting that experience. And then as the end of October comes, you can start trying harder things. Then you're ready for that November hopeful best season, you know? Yeah. And I would say, even if you're trying to go hard through the summer, man, maybe take August as like a deload or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something we would see all the time. And I think you, you would even written about this on the blog. Um, but you'll see the Miguel's crew or the rock house crew, or just the people who live there through the summer. Yeah. And, and Drew Mack did this the first year he climbed his first 514. man, he went hard all summer. And then like one of the early weekends in September, you know, there's the cold snap got down to 68 and probably like 50% humidity. Golden, golden temps as far as anyone had seen in seven months. It's here. The fall is here. Everyone (laughs) sent everything they had projected all summer and Drew sent Omaha. And I think that was the last thing he pretty much sent that season. Like he had just been grinding and this is what, you know, and I've done it too. Like I'm actually uh, about to put out a blog post talking about this whole, like, you know, what went well, what went wrong with this, this idea of going hard all summer, but yeah, man, you hit the fall and you're just exhausted. Like you've been sweating Mm -hmm. every day, fighting every day, doing it for months. And then when it's actually good, you're just tired. Like you're tired of getting pumped. It's exhausting. And most people, like, I mean, all people, like all the people who go hard in the summer through the red, like, I pretty much never see anyone still putting up numbers late October and through November. Like they have great Septembers when it gets down in the seventies. When the good temps are there, man, they're just, you know, their body can't keep going. Yeah, totally. It's hard to sustain the kind of volume that you climb at the red for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, roots can be a hundred, 125 or more moves. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a, lot in comparison to most crags in the u.s Mm -hmm. so you know five goes a day on something like that you've you've done more moves than you did in half of your training season for a lot of people (laughs) yeah so it's It's it can be a lot on you yeah that's like 200 moonboard sessions (laughs) exactly (laughs) there's also the spring to contend with and Mm -hmm. I'm curious what you think, but I think the spring is the harder season to hit right. Partly because the the good temps are extending later and later into the year. Um, and then they come earlier in the spring. So mm-hmm. you might only have January and February to prepare. Yep. Um and then you have to be ready to hit the ground running in March because it could be really rainy in April. Um, it's probably getting too warm in May. Um, so especially if you're choosing routes that are in the sun, you have to be ready to hit the ground running late February, early March. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, you know, I think I always... I always did well in the spring and actually thinking about it now, I think one of the biggest things was I gave myself a hard cutoff date of Thanksgiving. 
Um, mm. And that's just, I lived in Chattanooga and, and I, I lived in Kentucky some as well, but um, for different times, but I would always go south to Boulder for the winter. I would, you know, spend Thanksgiving at Miguel's. I think I've done that like nine years now and then travel south and that was it. And it wasn't till, I think it was always the second weekend of March was typically, is that right? That was typically when I would start coming back to the red. So I'd boulder for a while. I'd boulder through December, January, and then like mid-February is when it starts to warm up in Chattanooga. So I would normally go and I'd start trying big traverses. So I'd go to like Dayton Roof. I'd start doing these big like, you know, 25 move link ups, things like that. Um, And then so when I got to the red, my power was up. I still maintained decent endurance. Um, Yeah. So it worked pretty well. Um, But yeah, like it it's such an easy season to get trapped into because the best seasons or the best weather is pretty much right up front. Like it's not going to get any colder. Yeah. And if you're, you know, you were an experienced sport climber at that point, I climbed pretty well in the spring there as well because I'm pretty experienced on a rope and I can, I can get my legs back under me in a session or two. Yeah, And then I'm feeling just as comfortable as always. But if you're a a relatively new climber and you're still gaining that experience of getting comfortable on a rope and it takes you, you know, a couple of weeks or, you know, four or five sessions, if you're a weekend warrior could be all of March, Yeah, you know, so, so you'll want to do some sport climbing in the gym prior um get out when it might be a little too cold for you or if you can squeeze in a a decent weekend get out there and get on a rope and try to get your legs under you early early in the spring late winter so that you're ready to hit the ground running when the temps actually show up which is likely to be early march yeah yeah i think that's a great call um one other thing i also thought remembered is my best springs were always when I had things left over from the fall. Um, mm, like, totally. That's, that's a good point for me. That was really helpful. And I, I would say a lot of seasons I would typically clean up what I would want to be done with by like maybe mid November mm. or even like the start of <clears throat> that Thanksgiving week. And then I would go kind of project shopping for my last, you know, few weekends or whatever, just to plan Sorry. out what I wanted to come back for. And I think that went a really long way. Like I remember trying white man's overbite for like three weekends, one fall. And it was just, you know, really tough for me. Came back and first weekend back in the spring, I did it. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think I was there the day you did it. You were. Yeah. It was like a waterfall. Yeah, exactly. The last two bowls, I was just (laughs) climbing through actively running water. Yeah. No, that was, you know, that's actually, it's definitely one of my memories of, uh, like you and the Sarah and Taylor crew. Cause it mm-hmm. was, we were closing down the crag, me and my partner. And it was like, the sun was going down and I'm sure yeah. y'all were like, we've already been to three crags. We're going to a fourth right now. <laughs> you know, it was like one of those, but yeah, beautiful day. No one else was around at, you know, it was probably like 6 PM at that point. Everyone had gone home and I think Taylor had just gone up Thanatopsis or cutthroat or I, I forget what it was. Something on the GMC. Something over there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was just uh, just us there that day. That was a fun. That was a fun day. But yeah, for me, like, had I not started trying the route until the spring, that could have been really hard because it yeah. does sit in the sun. It would mm-hmm. only have gotten hotter. So I managed to come in like 
already knowing the beta, I had all this power and power endurance from bouldering and doing long boulders and was able to just knock it, knock it out my first day back. Yeah. Super smart. I like, I like that approach a lot. So if you're a local, that, that approach would be fantastic for you. you yeah. Queue up the things that you want to climb on in the spring because it, the time comes fast in the spring. You don't get mm-hmm. to wade into it slowly like you do in the fall. Yeah. Yeah. And you right, know, let's go ahead. I'll just say last thing on the win is also you can plan your seasons um, this spring. Another thing you can do is just accept that it's going to get hotter and kind of plan your style by that. Start with bouldery routes, go to power endurance routes, mm-hmm. finish with endurance routes um, so that yeah. You know, I always like, there's always one good weekend left in June. Like every year that I've been there, there's like June's hot, but there's always like one last good cold, like decent cold snap. And if you can, you know, if by the time it's a June, you can be on some bigger, steeper holds, then you can potentially pull off like a good late season send. Um, Yeah. And, you know, queue up the shady crags. Yes. For the beginning of the fall and the end of or the, the beginning of the fall and the end of the spring, you know, have those shady areas in the back pocket and, and know that that's where you want to be. Yes. Yeah. So it's a, it's generally speaking a bad idea to project golden boy late into the spring. That would be an awful idea. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. Don't do that. Exactly. All right, let's talk about how to train for the Red River Gorge. And let's let's break this down into categories. So um, if you want to climb 511, if you're a relatively new climber, um, still getting experience out there, you're looking to do your first 511 in the Red River Gorge, in my opinion, the one big thing you need is the thing we've already talked about, which is learn how to climb for a long time. Yeah. You know, start learning to shake out on the wall, but even more so, just get comfortable being on the wall for 30 minutes at a time. Um, easy to train in the gym, takes a lot of time, takes a patient belayer if possible, because it it's helpful to be above bolts and still be able to relax and be comfortable up there. Mm-hmm. But that'll go a long way toward 511 in the red. Agreed. And that's kind of what I have here, um, mostly just getting comfortable. Um, you know, the red's really great for learning how to get comfortable over your bolt. Like the walls are tall, they're overhanging, they're typically pretty clean, like there's not a lot of huge features. You know, getting comfortable taking falls, getting comfortable just being on the wall for a long time goes a really long way for, uh, you know, establishing yourself in that 511 grade. Yeah, totally. And if you're looking for a training plan that kind of lays this out for you, um, for each of these levels, we have ebooks and proven plans. Proven plans are delivered through our app and include a, a group chat moderated by our coach, Nadia Sante. And I'm in there occasionally. Um, but our Just Climb More Routes fits really well for this 511 level, especially at the red because it's volume heavy and it just, it just asks you to get comfortable above bolts and put in the mileage, put in the work and doing that early is, is a great thing. Then you don't have to do it much later down the road. So Mm -hmm. 
All right, uh, 512. This is actually, I think 12A might be my favorite grade. Oh, it's a good grade. grade. Yeah. There's so many amazing 12As. Whenever I would work with somebody who was just like edging into the 12s, I would be so jealous of them because they get to experience all these 12As and Bs for the first time. And that was just a magical time in my climbing. Same. That's, oh man. And jealousy is the exact word that I would use too. Like anytime, like, or I'll talk with someone, they'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm like, uh, I'm going to the red for the first time ever. I'll be there for November. And I really just want to onsite as many 512s as possible. And I'm like, I'm happy for you, but I hate you. <laughs> like that is, I want another Red River Gorge to go do that with. Cause man, what a, what a great time. And I'm like, I broke into 512 climbing in the red and like went through, like that was where, like I experienced those from a project standpoint to like a send quicker standpoint to all that. So, mm-hmm. oh man. Uh, yeah. I'm equally jealous of anyone who gets to climb 512 in the red. Yeah. And you know, just to not to back up entirely, but 11 B is also one of my favorite grades in the red. So, yeah you know, don't feel like you have to rush to get to the 12 A's because they're the best. There are some really amazing 11 B's around the red too. So, Mm -hmm. um, those two 11 B 12 A, and then we'll talk about it soon, but 13 B, I think those are the three amazing grades in the red. Agreed. Um, when you're, when you're looking to climb 512, what do you think is the, the top thing that you need for red river gorge 512? You know, if 511 was getting comfortable just climbing on a rope, being on the wall a lot, this would be getting comfortable being pumped more than anything. Um, You know, I think the 512s really start to define the red in that you could just get so many more styles. Like sudden, like 512, you suddenly can start doing things like Far From God. Man, what, you know, what an amazing route. We're just over here. Um, But that's like a hundred foot steep overhanging route like big yeah. holds and there are lay down yep. rests and knee bars but man you're on the wall like even if you're moving quick that's like 20 minutes on the wall you're gonna get exhausted like you want to nap afterwards yeah um, i i remember looking up at some of the roots when you're getting to the 512 level and just feeling like they were massive yes you know just just huge and especially the more i've traveled that's held true. You don't see yeah. that many routes that long in other areas. Yeah. Like 512, suddenly you start getting on some real big routes, like more commonly. There are some with 511, but, you know, those are like the real standout routes with 512. You know, if you want to climb 80 feet of overhangs, like they're everywhere. Um, yeah. So you and start- they can be really steep as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, so with 512, like learning how to rest um, and kind of, you know, that's when you start to break into a lot of different styles. Those are the big things that stand out for me. Yeah, same here. I think really starting to dial in your understanding of recovering on the wall and the idea of getting comfortable being pumped, especially mm-hmm. above bolts. Um you know, at this level, I'm still suggesting people are sport climbing in the gym if possible. Mm-hmm. Um, we have 
plans for both. If you want to climb 512 and you don't have sport routes to train on, we've got that covered as well. But I really try to steer people toward, I want you to get comfortable not only just being pumped and continuing to climb above a bolt, but also being able to get to a rest where you can't clip yet and camp out there and be comfortable and recover and get your breathing down and then be able to start climbing again, even though you don't have that like mental checkpoint of, oh, I just clipped a bolt. Now I'm resting with the rope slightly above me on top rope. Yeah. You know, you really have to start learning that at this level. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You know, and as these routes are, because the routes are getting steeper, it's becoming more physical, full body climbing. So you're more likely to, your whole body's just going to kind of like overheat, get a little bit pumped. And yeah, you're just overall fatigue builds up much faster. So when you get to a rest, man, it's easy to just be seeing red and get overwhelmed and learning to go from that to saying, okay, this is fine. Like it doesn't matter that I'm at a nine out of 10 pump. I can get this back. I can get this bolt clipped. We'll get this down to a four and we're going to keep going. This can still be a send go. Yeah, totally. And there, there are going to be rest dances all over these five twelves, you know? So your ability to rest will really dictate how quickly you can go through the 512 grades. And in my experience, um, I think I was probably overtrained for 512 when I was climbing at that level. I, I did 70 512s in the season before I climbed 513. Whoa. Um, that was my first season climbing 512. If you don't count crack climbing for years, which we don't, red, uh, which we don't. <laughs> and, uh, but it was amazing. And there were, I mean, 70 classics, really, that I got to climb in that season. And it was to the point where I had overlearned how to rest. And I could rest on pretty much every single hold with the exception of three or four on the entire undertow wall, you know. Hmm. So I could rest my way up pretty much everything. Yeah. I'm glad you bring that up because that's actually a point I'm going to address for the 513 climbers. All right, let's let's move into that then. How to climb 513 in the Red River Gorge. What do you need? So the first thing I'll say is for a lot of people learning how to move a little faster or just mm-hmm. simply skipping rests can yeah. re- or knowing when to rest. Because um, especially when you climb like 12C, 12D in the red, it's pretty normal when you've done like a handful and you're more established in the grade it's kind of like you've learned how to rest at that point. Like you've learned how to shake on a lot of things, even some slopier holds, you're getting pretty comfortable. And a trap I see happen a lot of times is suddenly people are like, Oh, well I can shake on anything. And so they do. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Like, you know, I, I had a friend who they would use tuna towners, their warm up at the red or at the mother load. Um, warm up there. Yeah. Common warm up. They have done this route triple digits number of times successfully to the anchors. Yep. They stop and shake eight times. Mm-hmm. Just, and it's like, what are you doing? Like you're, you can climb this whole thing without shaking. And I promise you will not get more pumped or tired than if you're shaking that much. Like this is someone who climbs upper thirteens now. Um, right. And they're working on that. Like learning how to sprint is something that they're working on, but that became a huge limiter for them. Um, 
just not knowing mm-hmm. how to how to skip all right holds. You know, if there's a 20 move sequence and there's a few all right holds in it, you don't need to stop and shake on all of them. Just go between the big stances. Yeah, that's really important. And that's something I, I fell into for sure. You know, I was able to do my first, first couple of five thirteens, um, just using my like natural, Oh, I hit this hold. This hold is a rest. Yeah. I'm going to camp out here for a minute. Yeah. Then I'll climb to what feels like the next rest. And pretty soon I realized, shit, I'm, I'm resting, you know, twice in between every bolt. Yeah. This is silly. Yeah. You know, and, and then what really made a big difference for me is I, I had instituted this rule in the gym, um, for our little crew that we were training with where, uh, if you sent a project in the gym, you lowered off and then you immediately had to top rope it. Um, and I made a rule for myself that I wasn't allowed to stop and shake on that top rope burn. Hmm. Um, and I learned that, holy shit, I can skip all of these rests and keep climbing. And I end up at the chains as fresh as I would have been or more fresh than if I had stopped and, you know, at all of these stances that I did when I was learning to red point the route. Yeah. Um, that made a big difference for me. So, and frankly, I think that helped me move into 13B and routes like Golden Boy and Dracula and Cutthroat and, you know, routes where you don't get to camp out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that you learn that um, by not uh, resting. I had a similar experience, but it took me a few years to realize what had happened. So I was climbing at the mother load one day. It's super wet and, or it's just like, you know, damp, like a lot of humidity. And as Mm -hmm. a joke, one of my buddies was like, oh, let's all see how far up tuna town we can go without trying to chalk and shake. I had just broken into 12 B at the time. So this was like, I wasn't even anywhere close. Mm. And, but a couple of them did it and they were like, oh, that wasn't bad. So the next day I went out. Or the next weekend, because I was a weekend warrior at this point. So the weekend before I had sent Mercy the Huff for the first time ever. This was like, I don't know, my fourth 12B. Classic. Amazing. And I had shook out all over it. I used the hand jams. Like to clip anchors, I throw my entire leg in that crack and like heel toe cam the crack to clip because I was so like just exhausted. Mm -hmm. And so I went back to left flank the next weekend after the no chalk, no shake experiment. And I climbed a couple of other things. I had finished out the 12 B's at the crag. And I was like, at the end of the day, I was like, I want to see how far up mercy I can go without chalking and shaking. And I was like, it'd be cool if I could get to maybe like the fourth or fifth. Yeah. I climbed to the top and I wasn't pumped. Like was so much less pumped than when I had done it before. And at the time I was like, that's weird. Like I didn't comprehend exactly what had happened, but it wasn't until probably two years later that I was like, you know, there's, there's a balance here. It was, I think when I was trying to break into 513, I was like, I don't need to shake on everything just cause I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at this level, you know, I, I end up having to almost argue with a lot of people who are asking which proven plan is going to fit me the best because a lot of them really want to continue sport climbing in the gym. Hmm. And, and I'm like, 
you're going to be much more efficient and effective if you stop sport climbing in the gym at this point. Maybe, you know, leading into the spring season, you get on the ropes a little bit in the gym just to start to get your legs back under you so you can hit the ground running like we talked about. Yeah. But my suggestion is to train on boulders almost exclusively at this point when you're when you're trying to break into 513 and, and beyond. Um get rid of the sport climbs in the gym unless it's a performance day and or you're just going in to have fun or you're getting your sport climbing legs back under you at the beginning of the season. Totally. Um, so so our climb five thirteen plans are are entirely bouldering based. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, in this we're also working under the assumptions, like with this whole conversation we just had that you built endurance and you know, the yeah. ability to shake out climbing 512. I'm um, glad you said you that know. because I, I do occasionally have people, you know, who have done a bunch of 12 Ds, you know, 12 Cs at other areas. And they're like, I have a trip coming to the red. Is your climb 513 plan the best for me? And I might send them back to the climb 512 plan because they need that endurance that, that the climb 512 plan is, you know, is built around. Um, so if they haven't learned how to shake out, haven't learned how to be on the wall for 30 minutes at a time and do a hundred moves in a row, mm -hmm. then I'll send them back to that f climb 512 plan for a season, um, just to build that back up before they move into this climb 513 plan. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, it makes sense. Um, one other thing I'd say with climbing 513 in the red is that it suddenly becomes more punishing to not be well-rounded. Mm -hmm. um, and you see, like, you can get through a lot of 512 climbing by just being a real fitness monster. Like, yeah. if, if you can just hang on, you can climb through 512, and you can do quite a few 513s. But yeah. if you can do if you can do the three finger claw, it, yeah, just climb like this, the sloth drag, climb, yeah, the sloth drag, you'll you can climb all the twelves, exactly, <laughs> and like except for just a handful, and you'll be like, oh, okay, those yeah. are weird and bouldery, whatever. Yeah. But when you get to five thirteen, it kind of flips. Like you need that like sloth climbing ability, the open drag, being able to climb pumped. But that's, I mean, that's just the you know entrance fee. Like from mm -hmm. there, you really need to be able to boulder. You need to be able to climb a lot more styles. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck on a very selective few number of climbs, especially when you get past like 13A, like even 13B, like, okay, you can climb some Madness Cave routes, maybe like Paradise Lost sort of, if you can get through the bottom, but then yep. you're starting to get real limited. Um, so that's when you need to be able to start doing all types of climbing, being able to be a little bit more functional in different bouldering types of movements. Yeah, agreed. And I mentioned earlier that 13B is also one of my favorite grades in the red. Amazing. You know, so many classics that we've already mentioned, like Golden Boy and Cutthroat. Um, and Dracula. Cutthroat's one, of, Cutthroat's one of the more overlooked 13Bs, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, Dracula, Return Darth Maul, Elephant Man. Um, just some fantastic table direct. There's so many. The yeah. legend. Jeez. You could go on and on. <laughs> I, with, I know. I, I'm like, take that Katie TV. Brown. Like we could just oh, spend the next five. Katie Brown. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So many good ones. So yes. if you're climbing at that level, 
don't look over the 13 Bs. Spend some time there. Yeah. Did you say no redemption? I didn't. That's oh. another one. <laughs> okay, we'll stop. <laughs> um, and those are all, I mean, those are all examples of like different you, styles, different, and, very different styles. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So breaking into 513, like, you know, you need to have that baseline of fitness. This is when you're going to start learning when to like, what's the minimum amount of resting you need to do. So you can do these bigger, harder sections and you need more, more well-rounded bouldering abilities. Yep. Totally. Uh, moving into 514, more bouldering for sure. Yes. Yep. I think you, you need to be a stronger boulder. Um, but I think that like the average level that you can boulder for 514 in the red is lower than in most other areas in the U.S. Agreed. Um, I think you can be a really solid V8 boulder and still climb 514 in the red, at least a handful of them. Mm -hmm. if, if you have a lot of fitness to back that up. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, definitely. I'm glad you said that. I think... You have to be able to, at the 514 level, 13 minus needs to be a grade that you can climb relatively continuously Yes, um, for most of the 514s in the red. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, years ago, many, many years ago, Mike Doyle wrote a blog post um, back in the blog era of rock climbing. Mm -hmm. And it was this idea of his that the harder you want to rock climb, the smaller the hold you need to be able to recover on. And I have gone back to try and find this. Like I've, I've spent a few hours hunting for this blog post. And, <clears throat> you know, I think in the red, which, I mean, he's also, let's just go ahead and say Mike Doyle's great climber, has a lot of experience in the red, FA'd Lucifer, and is a really good on-sighter. Like he's yeah. on-sighted, challenging things in a lot of areas, including places like Rifle. Um, and being... His argument was, you know, if you can recover on, I forget what it was. He was like, if you can shake out on a 12A crux hold, you should be able to climb 513. But it was something along those lines. And I think in the red, like this kind of concept of how small of a hold are you comfortable on? Like that translating to upper grades really shows itself more here than anywhere else that I've been. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so like just what you were saying on 514, if you can be in 513 climbing, be comfortable, relaxed breathing, like chalk, even get a few shakes, man, you're in a good spot. Because that's yep. kind of like, you know, I'm thinking about a lot of the routes in that range, like a lot of the fluff climbing is 12 plus 13 minus. Right. Yeah. And I, I remember when I was like edging into 514 that that concept still kind of blew my mind. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I just did this hard boulder. I've got a lot more to climb, but first I have to do this 13 minus section. Yes. You know, I'm like, it was just a few years ago that 13 minus was major to me. So I would go back and forth in my head all the time. Like, is this section really 13 minus? That's what everybody calls it. Maybe it's only 12 B. It, you know? Yeah. But the reality of it is you just have to be pretty comfortable climbing what could be an entire 13 minus route at most areas. 
You know, yeah. you might do, you might do 50, 60 feet. That's 13 minus and have to be able to recover a little through that section, or at least keep the needle from moving forward. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's funny you say that. Cause I used to kind of like have that same thing in my mind when I'd hear like, you know, like pros would come to the red and they'd be like, oh yeah, it's like probably like 13 B to that, you know, from that bolt to that bolt. And I'm like, don't tell yourself that Nathan, like, you know, like don't tell yourself that <laughs> it's a season long project. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I'm like, oh, if I had to do cutthroat after that boulder and before that boulder, I'm never doing that. I'm like, well, let's just not think about it like that. Like, yeah, you know, we're just going to think that's 20 moves we need to do. <laughs> I also think that at the 514 level in the red, it's even more imperative. And this is true for the 513 level as well. And, um, but even more so at 514, you have to be able to keep your technique together. You have to be able to execute really well while you're pumped. Yes. Um, you know, at 514s in other areas, it's very often the case and, you know, I'm generalizing here, but it's very often the case that you're just going to do a hard boulder while you're relatively fresh. Mm -hmm. um, at the red, you have to do a hard boulder and you have to climb it well while you're pretty damn pumped. Yeah. You know, I've heard some coaches say 514 climbers don't get pumped anymore. Uh, that's not true at all, yeah. uh, especially in the red they're all going to get pumped at some point, you know, if they're climbing anywhere near their limit. I mean, shoot, they'll probably um, so, still get pumped on like five twelves, just not terminal. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so one of the exercises actually that I think is really great. It is not in any of our plans, um, any of our proven plans anyway, but is an exercise that we've used quite a bit called campus punks, which is, you know, essentially getting yourself to a specific level of pumped on a campus board with foot rungs, laddering up and down, and you can adjust the difficulty by going to smaller rungs um, or doing bigger moves and then executing a moderately hard or hard for you boulder after you're pumped and really paying attention to what it is that starts to fall apart first and taking steps to shore that up can mean a lot for climbing 514 in the red. Yeah. Yeah. And I, man, I swear by that drill. Um, you know, it's funny. I recently got the climbing Bible by, um, Martin Mo Broughton and I can't remember the second author's name, but in it, they refer, they talk about that drill and they refer to it as, uh, McClure drills from mm. Steve McClure. And then I like went hunting and I found an interview where he talks about how to him, that was like his secret weapon for, doing harder on sites and getting comfortable mm. building that like strength endurance for being able to just go through sustained climbing. And I was like, Oh, and it, he even talked about like the periods, the amount of like time on versus time off that he liked to do. And I was like, this is cool. We kind of like stumbled into like, yeah. yeah, he talked about his process for finding it. And I was like, Oh, we kind of ended up at the same conclusion. And I was like, Oh, all right. That's kind of, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's also a skin saver which yes. is really nice for the red, you know, because the sandstone can really beat your skin up and, and new gym holds can beat your skin up. So sometimes worse. Yeah. So 
being able to do most of your endurance work on campus rungs and then just climb a hard boulder after is huge for saving your skin. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the average boulder difficulty on 514 in the red is? Mm, I'd say somewhere between V7, V8. Yeah, I think that's probably true. And I know a lot of people who would bristle at that suggestion. Um, but I think it's absolutely true that the hardest boulders, you know, there are a couple that are definitely harder on 14A, mm -hmm. uh, but not many. Most of the boulders are in that range. Yeah. And, and they're just stacked up. Totally. And I think it, it's one of those things that some people like to talk about how the red, they'll be like, oh, I mean, you know, there's no hard bouldering in the red, like on ropes. And I don't know how, like, this is one that kind of cracked me up. People will be like, oh, I mean, you know, look at Southern Smoke. There's not a boulder harder than V6. And I've tried that route quite a bit. And <laughs> I've seen, a, I've seen people who have flashed V12 fall on these boulders, not pumped, just like trying mm -hmm. to work through. And they come down there like, yeah, that's probably about V8. Like maybe a couple in like that V7, V8 range, like probably yeah. two or three of them in a row. And so it's one of those things that I think things either get like really downplayed or they get like really fluffed up. Um, yeah, but totally. Yeah. All right. Um, any of those grades actually for the red, uh, we have a list on the blog post that will accompany this podcast episode. Oh, the link will be right there in the show notes in your pocket supercomputer. Uh, Drew Mack put together lists for us years ago of the top 10 routes, in his opinion, to prepare you for that next grade. So we've got the, the top 10, 10s, 11s, 12s, and 13s. Um, so go check those out if you've got a trip planned. You can download them right there on that page. You can also find the proven plans um, and the ebooks that we suggest for each of those levels. So check that out. Uh, let's get into a couple of fun categories here to wrap this thing up. Yeah. Um, some like local beta tips, tricks that you might use in the red that in other places don't apply as much. Um. All right, so I'll start um, first. And this was when I was trying to break into 512, like mid 512. Um, someone was like, hey, you have to learn when to stop searching for more holds. Um, mm. A lot of these routes are overhanging and people will just touch everything because all the holds yeah. are okay. Like a lot of these walls are heavily featured. So you'll go up. Uh, a classic example of this is the 512 wall at Military. Mm -hmm. So... Um, was that tissue tiger reliquary and gung-ho i mean it's a six foot wide swath of chalk every waco and hole has chalk on it which is a shame but they're great routes if you climb them well and what this person had told me is if you can if you can hang on a hold just pull on it just get through keep climbing um, and this is more for on sighting but even like I'll even see people when they are red pointing or like giving a second or third go they'll start kind of freaking out and just grabbing everything yeah. And you can get so pumped touching 30 holds you don't need where if you can Absolutely. just, if you can just learn how to read the route, um, you know, you can just do big pulls, skip right through over all the hundreds of intermediates. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
It's it's interesting you mentioned the twelve volt military because my first thought were sunshine and moonbeam. Um, yeah. The five nines at military. You know, Mike Doyle on sided swing line, but I'm not sure he on sided sunshine or moonbeam. <laughs> <laughs> They're just every inch of the rock is chalked up and you will see inevitably you will see people searching you know you could people will be on those routes for 30 minutes trying to find the right holds yeah when you just grab and pull and you're much better off that's a good one yeah one from one that i think is really specific to the red uh, and i mentioned this a little earlier is hanging off your skin learning Mm -hmm. not to overgrip the holds and maybe not even to grip the holds (laughs) really just put your hand on it and hold your hand in position and let the friction do the work Um, this is one of the few places where i think new gym holds can teach you a lot about Um, Mm -hmm. you know i prefer to sand the texture off of new holds when i get them and i wish climbing gyms did the same you know i understand why they don't um but it's all it's a really good time to learn how to hang off your skin if you can do if you can sacrifice some skin for a while and do laps on these super friction heavy holds in the gym it'll teach you how to climb at the red yeah yeah i think it's a great point like learn how to hang off your skin Um, And my next point pairs with that. And that's that you need to get your skin ready for climbing in the red because you like your skin takes such a beating out there that your middle pads, you know, a lot of boulders, they're so worried about like their first pads, like your tips. Yeah. But your middle pads in the red get so torn up and you just, you either need to have like, just expect that it's going to be bad your first little while um, or prep ahead of time. You know, do a bunch of endurance work on things that are going to tear those pads up and, you know, get calluses built up thick. Um, yep. Because you'll, I mean, you'll find like if your skin starts getting thin there, you're going to start over gripping holds so that it's not putting pressure on your skin. You know, you're just going to get pumped a lot faster. You can't rest as well. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. getting your middle pad, your jug pads ready, basically, um, is crucial. Yeah. yeah. Last one for me you know, is kind of just building on what we've both been saying. And that's, you have to be really choosy about what routes you're willing to try in the sun in the red, because it can trick you into thinking that because the friction is so good, that being in the sun doesn't really matter. But there are some routes like cutthroat, like golden boy, um, nearly anything on that gold coast wall where the second the sun hits it, it becomes an entirely different route. Oh God. And it's very easy to get discouraged. If you've only tried golden boy in the sun, it might feel impossible, but then you come back on a cooler day and it feels amazing. And that's, you know, that, that goes for across the board in most climbing areas, but in most climbing areas, you're already gripping hard and you just have to grip a little harder in the sun on climbs like golden boy you're letting your skin do a lot of the work by hanging on the holds and then all of a sudden there's no friction anymore and hanging on the holds is impossible so Mm -hmm. 
be very choosy about what you're willing to climb on in the sun. It has to bite you back. Yeah. Um, all right. So I've, I've got kind of two. Um, I'll just pick my favorite one. So um, grades there, I feel like a lot of times are determined by your baseline fitness. And mm-hmm. I say that by saying, like, there are a lot of areas where people will be like, okay, I'm going to go project, you know, this uh, 13A. And once they send it, it's like it's very specific rest, very specific type of boulder. Everything's very nuanced. And so when you move on to another type of another climb of the same grade, you have, learning starts all over again. And it's, you know, you're back to square one. Like, yes, you're a little fitter, maybe a little stronger, but it's a pretty hard reset. In the red, when you're fit enough to climb 13B, you're fit enough to climb a lot of 13Bs. Um, yeah. Which is cool. That's why, man, that's why being able to be like someone who can climb 512 fast in the red. That's why I hate all of them. I'm jealous. That's so fun. Um, But yeah, like, because you can just do so many new climbs so quickly once you build that initial base of fitness. Um, Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, styles are different. Cruxes will be different. There will be learning. But that, man, you really can't overemphasize how much that base of fitness helps and lets you just experience so much good climbing. Yeah. You just, you kind of reminded me somehow of one more. Um, If you're a traveling climber and you've never been to the red, there is this phenomenon that happens that you may not have seen anywhere else Hmm. where it will be completely clear, no rain. You show up at the crag and it's soaked. Um, yes, because it will condense and the undersides of all the steep stuff will be soaking wet in those instances, go to the more vertical crags that get some sun and aren't socked into the trees. And they are almost always bone dry. Hmm. Um, so not all will be lost. The red is a great area to climb at in the rain. But when it starts condensing, all the steep stuff is going to be soaking wet. And I've heard, I don't know for sure, I've heard that it's when it's been cold, but then the temperature matches the dew point on a day after it's been cold, and then it will condense on the wall. Yeah. So if it's like really cold overnight, but then it warms up too quickly, it's kind of like when you take a, like a Coke bottle out of a fridge and then it just gets covered in those little beads of uh, moisture. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what happens. That's a good point. That happens there in Southern sandstone more than anywhere I've ever, I mean, I've never seen it anywhere else really. Yeah. Um, Same. All right. So last point I had to, I'm bringing this one in. Yeah. I had to, I had to give you a way to get the, get your last one in. I appreciate it. Um, so last one and golden boy is a perfect example of this rock climbing in the red is such a small percentage game. Like in the sense that if you can make these tiny efficiency changes, Mm. man, it makes a huge difference. Like, and that's just other places I've climbed. Like it, yes, it's true. Like it's good to make the easy sections easier, but man in the red, being just a little bit more fluid on every move makes such a difference. Like that was, you know, when I projected golden boy, I think it took me maybe 10 tries and every single go I learned 
And I was like, oh, I just changed the way I did like eight moves every time. Mm-hmm. And it could just be, oh, I was front pointing my foot. Now I'm outside edging a little bit. And that lets my hips get in a little bit more. These tiny little things that, man, other places, you, you know, I just haven't had because most other places tend to be a little more bouldery with bigger rests and you know like yeah you take the boulder problem serious but if you're on bigger holds it doesn't feel like it matters as much but because the red doesn't have so much enormous jugs or really heinous boulders it's this middle ground it's really easy to climb all this middle ground the way you would really easy climbing um yep so yeah like a lot of people yeah that's a really good point um that defined my style for years, you know, until I eventually learned that it doesn't matter as much in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, great skill to have, but yeah, doesn't matter elsewhere nearly as much as it does there. Yeah. All right, let's move into some some uh, specific routes. Uh, first up, favorites. What's your favorite route in the red, Nate? Uh, man, I, this was a tough one, but I'm going to say uh, Stunning the Hog. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Just a little guy, but I do love that route. Yeah. I remember because for me, that was, I think my second or third 12 D, but it's same for me. I think super steep. It's like 50 degrees overhanging these big, like, you know, big beefy pinches, like cool bouldery moves. And I, I was like, man, this is cool. Like I'm finally at a level that I get to do like really cool moves on a rope, like boulder moves. Yeah. Like, you know, Man, it, and that's a good one. And it kind of always stays cool in that mm-hmm. little, little cave zone. What a cool one. Yeah. I mean, it's tiny. Like anyone who's climbed it, it the actual climbing is what, 35 feet. Like yeah. it's not yeah. much, but at the time it really stood out to me. And yeah. So I'd, I'd say, you know, in everything I've looked at since where I'm like, like I love uh supercharger. Amazing. Mm-hmm. And I love Southern Smoke and that whole cave. And to me, they're really just bigger, stunning the hogs. Like, totally. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that's mine. Mine is going to break the uh, break the rules here, and it's going to be a trad route, which is the inhibitor. Oh, okay. Eleven um, A Skybridge Ridge. Really, just kind of a straight out of Yosemite granite style crack. Hmm. Um, really amazing. Definitely. It's, it's the route I've probably climbed more than any other, except for maybe the, you know, maybe check your grip and maybe the 11 warm ups at the mother load. I've probably climbed those more at this point, but hundreds of times I've climbed it and loved oh, it every single time. Um, really amazing and if you're if you're a crack climber or if you can borrow gear while you're there on a trip and you want to check it out it's one of the best 511 cracks i've climbed anywhere nice all right uh must do what's the must do this exemplifies the red river experience route all right so i have two because i couldn't choose um (laughs) for me the first one was superfly at, uh, oh, that's like a good one. Too. Kind of twelve AB over at, um, what is that called? Solar oh, collector. Solar collector. Amazing man. And I've this is the one I've probably climbed a hundred plus times at this point. It's mm-hmm. 
climbed that one a lot too. Yeah, it's a stacked wall of like 5.11s and a few 5.12s. And man, this one's just good. Like especially, it really exemplifies you. Like it's overhanging, there's good holds. Like you can get one-handed shakes and there's a lot of extra holds chalked, but not so much that it's super distracting, but you can get a really good flow going. Like get these big like three yeah. foot poles. Oh, it's just fun, man. I, you know, I was looking through all the climbs that I've done and I, I've never, I've never been tired of that, that route. Like I could go out there today and just be like, I'm going to do 10 pitches on Superfly and call it a day. It'd be a great day. Totally. Um, that's a, that's a really fantastic one. So that's the first one. And then the second one is malice. Oh yeah. That's a great one too. I forgot that one even existed. And that one's like borderline must do versus like overlook classic kind of thing, but it's so yeah. good. Just like a little more, it's overhang a little more powerful, but then you like turn a lip and you have to do a slab red point crux. Yeah. The moves at the lip are very cool. That's one of my proudest on sites. Nice. That. That's a good one. I, yeah, I mean that it's 12 C C I think. Yeah. I can never remember if it's C or D. Like if it was D, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blink twice at it, you know, kind of. Yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, those are mine. Superfly and malice. What's yours? Mine is Twinkie. Oh, duh. I feel yeah. like, especially if you're at that grade, if you're breaking into five twelve, and you walk up under that big steep, you know, featured overhang. It's, it just feels awe inspiring. Yeah. So cool to be able to climb out that big belly, um, on pretty much all jugs. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's one little hardish section kind of in the middle of the roof. Um, but it gets your attention right off the ground with a, you know, a slab that, that isn't a gimme. So yeah, I really love that one. And I think you know, just, it has so much history for me. It's in the old part of the gorge, you know, where, where all the climbing used to be concentrated and you can see it from the road. It's just this yeah. giant featured overhang. So for me, that one really exemplifies the experience there. Yeah. That when I, so my first trip to the red was in 2007. This was pre-rock trip. And that was like, that was still pretty heavily talked about, especially I wanted to, I was like just about to break into 512. I was looking people were like, oh, they're like, you should just go drive and look at Twinkie. It's, you know, hundred feet off the road. You can see it from the road and you walk up yeah. and it's like a little, I don't know, 15 foot slab to a big 45. And man, yeah. you know, for that great, I don't know if it gets much more like awe-inspiring, intimidating. You're just like, oh, this is, this is rock climbing. Okay. Like. Yeah, cool. and it's got this giant tree growing next to it, a hemlock maybe, um, huge tree next to it. It just looks like this big thing. You know, quick, quick, super short story. Um, as an example of how overtrained I was for 512 when I was climbing at that grade, I, I had like saved Twinkie because I had tried it years earlier and just gotten spanked, totally destroyed on it. And... So I saved it for quite a while thinking this is the ultimate 12A. Like if I can ever climb this, it'll be amazing. And I went out and did it with my friend Alexis and I climbed to the top and was like, well, I'm not even like sort of pumped yet. This is weird. So I down climbed it 
uh, my first, like I sent it and then down climbed it just for the fun of it. Oh man. So, so overtrained yeah. for the grade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's um, cool though. All right. What is the overlooked classic that if you're climbing at this grade, you should go check it out, but there's probably nobody talking about it. All right. For me, it's bullfighter. Oh, that's a good one. It's in Mir Valley. Um, it's at the crag left of the solarium. I can't think of the name of it right now. It's the arsenal. The arsenal. Bullfighter. Man, I remember when I climbed that thing, I was like, why is there's no one even knows this thing exists. And there's a route just left of it. It's a 12C. That is also mm-hmm. like, I remember being really good. But yeah, yeah for me, bullfighter. That's a really great one. I have I have distinct memories of climbing Bullfighter for the first time, trying to onside it. I don't think I onsided that one though. Um, and I does does Bullfighter have the dyno on it? I can't. Uh, it or has is it the one next to it. So I think they both have some sort of dyno. I feel like Bullfighter you can like fist jam through. I think yeah, that's how I, I did hand it. Jammed through the dyno for sure. Yeah, I think you can <laughs> on Bullfighter, but the yeah. one left of it you can't. And I think Bullfighter also has like a mantle at the top. Yeah, like yeah. starts starts yeah. with this huge like kind of jump dyno, really cool rounded crimps through the middle, a little power endurancey, and you have to like mm-hmm. you got a mantle at the top. Like it's yeah, it's cool, Very cool. Just yeah, yeah really cool good little crag too. Mm-hmm. My overlooked classic is called. I bet you've never climbed it. I'll be surprised if you have. Um, Lightning Rod Arette. Oh. No, where is it? Where is CD. It's uh, at Velo Crag, which is like across the street from uh, Motherlode drive-by side of the road down in the PMRP. Really? No, I didn't know this was a thing. Yeah, it's it's this gorgeous arete, um, kind of chossy down low, which for me is part of the experience. You know, get your attention. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it's this high step, big moves, technical arete that's just so fun. And at the top of it, there's this big metal post, presumably a lightning rod sticking out of the top of the crag. And you you do mantle onto the top and you you belay off anchors sitting on top of the crag. Oh dang. Which is which is quite cool. So yeah. that's mine. Lightning rod arete. Go I like do that. It. Nice. Uh, favorite rest day activity in the Red River Gorge. You're you're kind of out there in the middle of nowhere, little town in Appalachia. Um, not a whole ton going on out there. So what's your favorite rest day activity to do? Um, so I kind of have two. One's like more in the red and one's an, another one's if you want to go out. Oh, I guess I have three. Um, all right. So <laughs> I'm all, Yeah. So first one in the red is uh, hiking the Augur Ridge Loop. Mm, really that's cool. A nice one. Yeah, and you go on like just a. It's a big loop. Honestly, you can even just go out the first two miles and come back because the first two miles, you once you're like a mile or mile and a half in, you get on these sandstone ridge lines that are maybe like 12, 15 feet wide, and it just mm. drops off like two hundred feet on either side, and you can just see all this expanse, just miles in both directions really cool in the fall like man i i used to go out there like around sunset like most rest days just like get my running shoes go out and jog out to those little ridge lines stunning 
Um, so, so you ever climb any of the trad routes out there? No. There's some trad routes that climb up those ridges that are very cool. Very fun. That's rad. Yeah. Just beautiful area though. Um, how many of these do you have? I don't want to. I just have one, but do your three. Okay. I'll do my three. People, people need to know. Okay. Second one, uh, go on a bourbon tour. That's mine. Okay. I'll go to my other one. You can do bourbon tour. Um, <laughs> okay. So in Lexington, I am a, I'm a snob for good tacos. Mm. And, um, in Kentucky, those don't, those don't come up. I'm from Texas. Like, you know, I'm not going to tell someone from Maine where they should go get lobster. You know, that's, right. yeah. uh, it's a bit out of my league. But so whenever people tell me, like a lot of times people will be like, oh, you need to go try the uh, Mexican food over here, the tacos over there. And I'm always like, you know, skeptical. I'm very skeptical. But uh, I had a buddy who was like, you're going to want to go to El Gran Taco. G-R-A-N. T-A-K-O. The letters <laughs> look like they were all stolen from a Chinese buffet that went out of business. That is, that's put on top. And, and I trusted mm-hmm. this person. I was like, okay. Yeah. And it's in Lexington. I rolled up on a Saturday evening and they've got Al Pastor roasting on a spit outside the front door. Mm. I was like, yep, I'm here. Made it. <laughs> top five tacos. I've never, never heard of this place. Dude, it's amazing yeah just in lexington though top five tacos i've ever had just get the uh i think i had the el pastor and maybe barbacoa i don't know yeah all the things get some horchata while you're there awesome for me i i haven't done a ton of rest days in the red because i lived in cincinnati and was a day tripper you Mm -hmm. know or a weekend trip so it wasn't until I moved to Wyoming and then took a trip back to the red and stayed for that ridiculously rainy season that, that I had rest days. Um, so for me, the bourbon tour was something I had heard people talk about for a long time, but I yeah. never had any reason to do it. Um, and we took a couple that season because it was rainy. So, you know, why not go drink bourbon? Yeah. Um, but really fun, um, really interesting history in, you know, bourbon country. And and honestly, I don't have a specific favorite bourbon tour. I think you should just go take them all, you know. Go nice. On all of your rest days, go do a different bourbon tour. Yeah. Um, super interesting, and you can drink quite a bit. So, yes. quite fun. Yeah. yeah, it's a good one. It's funny you say that because... When I climbed in the red, it was either as a weekend warrior or when I lived there, I just worked at Miguel's. So I didn't have like mm-hmm. many real rest days. Um, so it wasn't until I had a buddy flying in from Canada and he like kind of climbed, but not really. But I was like, oh, what, what do people do here? Like, yeah. And pe- someone Let's was like, tourist thing. Yeah. Someone was like, oh, take him to Woodford Reserve, do the uh, distillery tour. Ton of fun. And it was one of those things, man, I had been there for years, had never gone. Beautiful area. Mm-hmm. Like. So yeah, I was like, oh, well, this is pretty cool. So I'd recommend that too. Yeah, totally. Uh, also, last, just to you know, come full circle in this, um, I can't remember what the bowling alley was called, but one of my most fun rest days I ever had in the red was going bowling with Colette, since you brought Colette up right in the beginning. Oh yeah. Um, so there's, there's great fun, old, 
old rundown bowling alleys in Lexington. Nice. So much fun to go do. So go do that. Um, if you're interested in more information or finding training plans or getting the lists that Drew Mack put together, you can do that at the link right there in your show notes in your pocket supercomputer or you can go to the website powercompanyclimbing.com um, we'll have blog posts for what when how to train for a bunch of different areas as they're starting to you know kind of come into that training season and right now is the time when you should start thinking about training for the red river fall season um so get on that we've got proven plans ebooks over there powercompanyclimbing.com you can find us at powercompanyclimbing on the facebook's the instagrams the pinterest the youtubes um, <laughs> whatever social media platform is next with the exception of course of the twitter because we don't tweet we scream like eagles this time, 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 this